we're going to start with prayer, and then we're going to start in with our content. Remember, this is the third of three classes, but it's okay if you haven't made the other two. It should make sense anyway. The first class, we looked at how to be safe people and not to bring harm to the people either in our families, our homes, our churches, our country. Um, and then the second week, we looked at what divides people so much. Why does it get so divisive? And it's not just this year's political climate. It's been happening forever. It's happened with gangs and bullies and wars, and it's happened through human history of how people divide. We talked about triangles and how that uh, coalesces people into divided groups. And then today we're going to tackle the whole topic of conflict. So how do we resolve this conflict? If we look first at being safe, being safe people and not bringing harm to them, and then the second time we looked at, so how can we actually help and not just not do harm? Then this week we're going to look at how can we be peacemakers and actually make a difference and bring resolution. So, Denny, if you would pray for us. Okay. Father, we're so thankful that you are the the God of reconciling love and that you intend for us, even though we are a broken people and tempted in so many ways, as Colleen was talking about, that you intend for us to live together in peace and in love eternally. And you've given us the ability to, to use your strength, your wisdom, your power, your presence to heal our relationships, our families, our churches, even our world. So be with us today as we talk about this important area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's, there's um, a whole lot to what I'm going to talk to you today. So if you want to, to study it, I'm, I'm going to be giving you kind of, well, some, I'll, I'll show you the part that's not on the internet that comes from pastoral counseling. But the rest of it kind of comes through any kind of good counselor. You could get it. All MFTs are trained in communication. It's the number one thing that counselors do. So what I'm going to teach you uh, at the beginning of this is kind of pure counseling. When we get to the second part, I'm gonna, I'll show you the pastoral counseling part, the spiritual part, uh, what we do as Christians to do that. Okay? So feel free to stop me if I start going too fast. I'm, I'm going to go uh, fairly quickly because I think it's self-explanatory. But if it's not, stop me. Especially, Cheryl says that sometimes I think I make sense when I don't. And so, I know. You should have seen us with our accountant the first time. Um, our tax person. Our tax person. She was just looking at me. Um, but Cheryl translated for me, and we were fine. So, so if I don't make sense, you know, stop me. Just say, Denny, that you, 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 yeah, you lost me. Now, last week, Cheryl showed you some of the things about good communication. You had that on the sheet. And she talked about you judgments. You is, I call it a gunshot. When you say the word you, you didn't listen to me. You'd never pick up your stuff. You idiot. You creep. It can be a small caliber or a big caliber. But once you've done that, you've usually started a conflict. Okay? It almost always starts with you. Does that make sense? So we all know that the way to deal with that is to make an I feel statement. And as Cheryl said last week, 
The third word has to always be the feeling. I feel sad, lonely, uh, dismissed, unimportant, whatever the word is. It's not, I feel like you are an idiot. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's what everybody does when we teach this. They go home and they, they misuse it. Now, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the three process that it takes to actually have good communication. Now, you recognize that if I said it's going to rain at uh, 1 o'clock today, you would all understand what I said, right? I don't need to have you repeat it back to me. Okay, what did I say? It's going to rain at 1 o'clock. The reason we have trouble uh, communicating is during conflict. When someone is saying something that we can't hear, don't want to hear, uh, uh, don't think it's true, uh, think that they're mistaken, uh, on and on, okay? So when you talk about communication, when people come in and they say, we're having communication problems, they don't mean they're having trouble saying words. They mean they're having trouble hearing each other in times of conflict and misunderstanding, Okay. So put that all in the context. What I'm going to teach you right now is when you're dealing with a difficult communication thing. Okay? So there's three steps. There's I feel statements. There's I care about what you feel. And I will change my behavior so that you don't feel that again. Those are the three steps. Underneath each of that, I feel has active listening. That is the key to all communication. Uh, whether we're having conflict, I'll talk about in the conflict resolution in a moment. I care, which means that there's always two sides to any issue. And so both sides get to, get to share and be cared for. And then the I will for the rest of my life, not until you just stop being mad. Okay, that's the hard one. Because we really want to just get it over. And I'll talk about that more when we get into actual conflict resolution. But you make a commitment uh, that I will. And it's not that I will try to with the best of my ability. That, that's not what we're saying. I will. So I want you to imagine that there uh, is, are two people. And you can, you can assign gender stuff. I used to do this gender-wise. And now I can't do that anymore. But imagine that one of them is going to fix dinner at 5 o'clock. The other's at work. The other's coming home, but doesn't come home till midnight and doesn't call the person making dinner. Now, the person making dinner is going to have feelings about that. Right? Now, let's imagine that the feeling is depicted here as a triangle. Now, they have to communicate that to the other person who's seven hours late. So put yourself in that context for just a moment. You've been stood up for seven hours. The, the meal you worked so hard is ruined. You're, you're in a situation now seven hours later. Okay, how do you communicate that? Well, this is where it gets very, very complex. When you're having difficult communication, you encode the feeling, here in this instance, a triangle. And let's say that uh, this person doesn't feel important. Okay? So how do they communicate that? Well, first of all, they will use a word. But words only mean 10% of what is heard by the other person. That's why any kind of email 
text can be 90% sure if it's a hard situation, you're misunderstood. 90% sure. And there's all kinds of classes that are being taught on that everywhere. What matters much more is how you say the word, the voice inflection that you're doing, and how your body looks when you're saying the word. All right? The, your facial expressions, all of that kind of stuff. I love you. Yeah. You know, that doesn't really communicate real well because it wasn't in, in connection. But what we also know now is that context, context matters 10% as much as the words. So if this person who came home late has the other person come and open the door in the driveway, that context is going to mean something different than waiting for them to get in and take their shower and lay down beside them in bed. Do you follow? And so context, even if you said the word with the right inflections and everything, but if you did it in an aggressive situation at the door in the driveway, it's going to be taken differently. Do you follow that? Now that's extremely complex, right? How are you going to do it right? And the other person, once they have this class, I don't want you to go home and say, well, Denny says you're supposed to do it like this. <laughs> because doing it right suddenly becomes a, uh, a, a way to make a you judgment. You didn't do it like Denny said, right? And so it's very complex. Now, what makes it even more complex is that the other person has to decode those four things that were just done. They have to decode the context, the body language, the voice inflection, and the words. Do you follow? Depending on how it's said. And this is where, by the way, cultural stuff becomes a major problem. My, my brother's a, a PhD psychologist, and he took Spanish all the way through school, so he decided he was going to go down to Ecuador and be a counselor. He said it was the most difficult thing he ever did because the cultural expressions and body language and everything. If you've, ever, if you've ever talked to people from a culture where they're very aggressive, well, you'll misunderstand all the time. And there are many cultures that are very aggressive in the way they talk. Do you follow? Or some that are very soft. And they can be just as angry at you as, as the person in the aggressive culture. So there's a lot of things that go with it. you follow? Now, this person making the meal says, I feel unimportant. And the person receiving the message hears, she thinks, or he thinks, she's, they're more important than me. That's the message they heard, that they think they're more important. Whatever happened this last seven hours is more important to what they experienced than what I experienced. And so they think she said box. Now, have they communicated? No, you're supposed to go, no. <laughs> she said it, she said it. She said it, yeah. Mary, way to go, Mary. No, they didn't communicate. But they talked, they said it, they looked at each other, they, they had all kinds of emotion about it and everything, but they didn't communicate. But here's the problem, they think they did. Now suddenly, we go into what I call no man's land, because you, de you encode and decode, and the other person now thought you were talking about their 
not feeling important and suddenly he's talking something or the other person's talking something about being important, now they feel twice as unimportant because they're not heard. You didn't hear what I said. So they then encode and decode and the other person feels twice as much like this person trying to control me and take over my life. They want to be the most important person in this relationship and it doesn't matter what I went through and so on. Do you follow? No man's land, I call it that because there's no road, there's no road signs, you don't know how you got there. No GPS. No GPS. <laughs> and you can stay there in that wilderness for longer than 40 days. You can stay there for years. And you might not even remember what it was that you said because it wasn't a misunderstanding in you that got you there. Do you follow? You were communicating or you were listening and you heard what they said. They're more important or I'm unimportant. Do you follow? Now, in counseling, if somebody comes in and they, they are already at that place, I will say, let's just start over. And I'll get them knee to knee like I did last week, told you. And I'll have them start with the I feel statement from the very beginning. You cannot bring people back from no man's land. There's no road. And you can spend weeks trying to help them. Well, what did you mean when you said that? And where were you when you said that? And why did you take it that way? And, and on and on. So we do. What was the, the other key? Active listening loop. Everybody say that. Active, active listening, listening loop. loop. Will you do active listening loop? Everybody raise your hand. Yes, I will do active listening loop. Okay, here's what you're going to do. I hear you saying that you feel. Okay, so this this person who is can receiving. Can you just assign it to you and me, and then you can use pronouns. Okay, Cheryl and I had this conflict. Okay. We, we never did. did. I probably didn't fix dinner, so maybe you fixed it. Okay. <laughs> See, now you've messed it up already. So, um, I fixed dinner. <laughs> so, now... I hear you saying that you feel, and this person would say, I hear you saying that you feel more important than me. And this person would say, no, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Let me say it in a different way. I feel not thought about. Oh, I hear you saying that you feel not thought about as though I should be thinking about you all the time. No, that's not what I'm saying. I didn't feel considered that I had a meal waiting for you and I didn't get a call or anything. Oh, I hear you say. Until finally this person understands and only then have you communicated. Now what makes this even more difficult is that all of us carry around past, re past relationships and past experiences within this relationship which makes it hard for us to hear people. Okay, do you follow? Like, sure, put your hand up. If, did I do this with you guys? I did, didn't I? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. not you weren't obvious, so I'll do it again. Imagine that I hit Cheryl like this. That's not really hurting, right? Not a lot. <laughs> Let's say I do it for a whole hour. Yeah, that'd be annoying. How about 18 years of childhood? <laughs> That's called chronic abuse. No one time could you say it was really that bad that she did this or he did that. 
but you do it enough times in enough ways, you start creating baggage, damage, sores, and if anybody gets this close, it doesn't have to be this same person, it could be a boss, a child, anybody, they get this close to doing that exact thing, and you think you're gonna you're gonna jerk back chronic abuse. Now if I picked up a baseball bat and hit her hand, she would say on the eighteenth of February, twenty twenty four, I was abused. He hit me with a baseball bat. Now, that's acute abuse. You can name it, you know the time, you know when it happened. Um, that's that's the difference between rape and sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is groomed over time, a little bit at a time, until you do things and you don't know why suddenly. I hate this person and I hate this experience. Do you follow? Now, the problem is that all of us have chronic abuse. And we bring it into every relationship and every communication that we have. You follow? It's your baggage. It's your way of responding. It's, it's you go to this place. You know, I think we told you that I just found out that I was part Viking. Did, I, did we tell you guys that? 14%, which, which helps describe so many problems. <laughs> When, anyway, I'm going to that. Go ahead. We're watching a Netflix movie. Yeah, we were watching Netflix, and it was we were watching some Viking movie. And this, in honor this, of Denny. In honor of me. Yeah, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it yet. But I was, I was sitting, the king, I wasn't sitting there. The king of this other Viking group was sitting in the prison, and this other Viking guy tried to get him on his side. And the Viking said, just kill me, spare me the lecture. And Cheryl stopped the movie. Because <laughs> that'd be, I would say that. He would prefer death. I would election. prefer death to a lecture. <laughs> and so, you know, and then we did find out from Ancestry or whatever, I was 14% Viking itself. It's explained a whole lot. <laughs> but I bring that into my relationship with Cheryl. You bring your thousand years of genetic background into your relationships. David? Is there a quick answer to what does it mean to be passive-aggressive? Yeah, passive-aggressive means to do it in a nice way but be harmful. <laughs> Almost like gaslighting. Like gaslighting. Yeah, she gave a great definition of that today. We have that handout for anybody who wasn't here for that one. So yeah. To see me after class. So it's sneaky. It's, well, it's, it's manipulative would be a better word. Um, okay, any, any questions about active listening loop? So you just go through it. You might have to go through it a couple of times. Usually it's only one or two times and the other person hears it. Do you follow? Yeah. And, and then normally would the other person who came home late want to be heard as well? Boy, are you good at this. <laughs> My segue. So once, once you do this, I'm going to do one more thing and then I'm going to go to your thing. Uh, do you, if, if you're this person who came home late, do you care that they feel unimportant, not considered, not thought about? Yeah. 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 And you, you want to look them directly in the eye and you want to say, you are the most important person in the world to me. And if you feel it, I'm sorry that what I did caused you to not feel it. Sorry is a whole other thing we'll talk about in a little bit. But... Uh, 
You want to speak directly to the injury that your behavior caused and care for it. Uh, put a, put a, a, a healing balm on the wound. Does that make sense? So it's important that you use the word feel. I care that you feel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I care that you felt. Yeah. That makes sense. I care that you were hurt because of what I did. Yeah. See, I don't like that because it feel. I'm like, no, it's not just my feeling. You were wrong. We're gonna. That's the next segment. We're gonna be talking about the next. You guys, you guys are all. You're ahead of us. That's chapter two. That's chapter two. What happens? How do you get back from no man's land? So there's no way. Oh, you start completely over. Go, go completely back as though none of that took place, and you start with the "I feel" statement, and then I hear you saying that. You better move along because they're moving us along. Okay, they're moving us along. They're they're getting. Okay, and the, now you reverse the first two steps. There's always two sides. And so this person gets to say now to the person that fixed dinner, I was seven hours late because I was on the 154 and had car trouble and my cell phone wouldn't work because I couldn't get it. And I feel prejudged that you would think badly of me. Okay, I hear you saying and so on. And that's going to be something that's going to be a little more difficult, especially if you feel that they didn't really mean it. They were, they were, judged, they were punishing you because you didn't kiss them goodbye in the morning or something like that. Because that second time through, you want to definitely get to the point where you both hear, and then you say, I care. I care that you feel not thought about. I care that you feel prejudged. Do you follow? And then you go to the last one, and the I will. I will change my behavior. And uh, in this instance, it's, it's I will, when I'm going to be more than 30 minutes late, I will send you a carrier pigeon if I have to, to, to get you communication as to what's going on. And the other, I will wait to see the, the uh, white of your eyes before I let my imagination go to taking this personal, and I'm going to feed my anger toward you. I'm now, not going to feed you yeah, I'm not going to feed my anger toward you. Would it be important for you to add that when this, if this ever happens again, it is never my intention to hurt you? Well, is it never your intention no. to hurt your loved one? Well, because if, like, let's <laughs> you must say, not be biking. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that, that has happened to me, where yeah. I didn't reply because my phone died, and then I, it was, I was in a place that didn't have any signal, and I left this person stranded, and it was not my intention, and it'll never be my intention to do that. Never is the, is the part you've got to do that. Okay. It wasn't my intention. I, I, I want you to understand that. And I'm very sorry if you are. Okay. You know that this that this occurred, and I will get communication to you next time, uh, so that this will do it. If you if you start making, you know, it's like if you if you override a uh, theme paper or something. If you do something a hyperbole, you know, which is the actual Greek word, by the way. If you do something that's in a hyperbole, it actually undermines the possibility of. Of trust. Okay. And just avoid never and always. Mm -hmm. Never say. Yeah. Never say never. Just draw them out of your vocab because yeah. 
We can't predict. Sure, okay. Yeah, and you don't know. It, it seems like, in my mind, the part that this is as hard is the stuck up on the road with no cell reception. Yeah. I feel like if it were, you know, okay. really busy at work. You're wanting us to go on. I'll go on. <laughs> because we're going to get exactly to what you're talking about, Don. Give them what they want, Denny. What? <laughs> now. So that's the process. Y'all got it? Yeah. Now, what? this is the way I picture it. You're going to have conflict in any relationship. Once you work through that process, and especially if you get into, if it's more complicated, you get into an actual reconciliation event. I'll teach you. Then you build trust. Conflict, you work it through, you have trust. You have trust now in this area of lateness. We've dealt with that. This is what we're going to do, and I can trust the person. The next one might be chores around the house. The next one might be conflict about kids and so on like that. I call this a mansion of trust. The more that you've worked through areas in your relationship so that you now trust the other person about that kind of experience, you build this place where you can live, a mansion of trust. Do you follow? So it, that's why you know people who are married over the long haul have worked things through. Cheryl and I fought like cats and dogs for the first year or so, but once we started working things through, not nearly as much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, now I, I, I'm going to teach you something very quickly in order to understand why reconciliation is difficult. And I'm going to use this Super Bowl. We're making commercial. a big change to Reese's peanut butter cups. No! <laughs> We're adding a delicious layer of caramel. But we're only making a few of them. A few million. Wait, are you still selling the regular cups? Yep. Yeah! New Reese's Caramel Big Cup. Yes! Now, you probably saw that at Super Bowl last Sunday. But that's the best example of reactivity <laughs> I've ever seen. Because reactivity... Okay, wait one second. Who okay. remembers the term that we used last week? Non-anxious presence. presence. That's the exact opposite. <laughs> Non-anxious presence. They freaked out. They didn't stay calm. And they actually bailed through the windows. So they didn't stay present. They didn't stay calm. So that's a good way to remember my anxious presence. And did you also see that they're sexual acting out? The, the grandmother was kissing the young boy. They, they, whoever did that was a psychologist. Because you look, look it up. I won't show it again. But uh, there are all, there's all kinds of acting out and reactivity. And being sexually inappropriate is a, is a form of reactivity, as is hitting the wall, as is jumping through a window, as is, you know, you follow? I'm going to show you. Um, I, you need to understand this differentiation first in order to understand reconciliation. When we're born, we all are reactive, all the 100% of the time, right? We cry when we're wet and on and on. We get a little bit better by second by two years of age. We have some responsiveness where we use our thoughts and our words. Down in the preschool, if you stay there for five minutes, you'll hear them say, use your words, not your fists. <laughs> That's teaching responsiveness as contrasted to reactivity. Because we all start out reactive. 
Now, if you were completely and totally mature, you would have mature feelings and mature thoughts, and you would know what the difference of those things are. And you would respond 100% from a thoughtful place rather than a reactive place. Does that make sense? Now, the truth is nobody's there. In the research, they show that the most we probably reach is 75% of the time we're responsive. But all of us, some of the time, are not as, re as uh, thoughtful as we should have been. So you know what you feel. Now, it's called 10% differentiated if you, if you are 10% um, responsive. Now, I, wanna, I want to, uh, let me see. I, does all that make sense, 50% and so on? And I just big word differentiation, a good way to think of it is mature. Being able to sort your emotions from your feelings and not get them confused. And you know the difference between them. Now, this comes from um, family systems, which is what all counselors use. And it, it creates a solid self that's mature or a pseudo self that's trying to act like you're mature. Do you follow? And this is the scale of differentiation. When you're emotionally fused so that you are dominated by your feelings and you give it back as it's given to you, which is what fused means, if they're angry, you're angry. If they hit, you hit. Eye for an eye kind of thing at the bottom level. Um, at 50, 25 to 50, you're mostly still a false or what they call a pseudo-self. Uh, you're guided by emotional systems. And when you get anxious, when things are a little tense, you regress more and more into lower levels. And like the Reese's peanut butter. Like the Reese's. That's, that's a 2% a <laughs> responsiveness. And this is where you start becoming a solid self, where you don't regress. You know what you feel and you know what you think. And most of the time you can come from a thinking place. Follow? And then this is hypothetical, where you get above 75%. When you are not in a safe place, what, how, how are these marked? Like where do you mark how this should be, if that makes any sense? Because yes. when you're not in a safe, safe space, it's hard to be 100% hypothetical because you're like, whoa. It's hard bad. to be 30% when you're not in a safe yeah. place. But leave. Yeah, leave, you leave. Right? You absolutely leave. When you're not in a safe place, you get yourself out of there in order to not be reactive to the pain that they are purposefully doing toward you. And so you, you, you come to a place where you can be responsive and people marry people at the same level of differentiation. They choose churches at the same level of differentiation. They choose friendship groups at the same level of differentiation because people who are are responsive to life just don't spend time around people that are not. Uh, it's just it's just too painful. Would you want to be at that Super Bowl party? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we would not even yeah, be right. Including family. Family and this is this is where I will, we're kind of getting. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk. I think uh, you're stuck with family, right? Yeah. But your family of origin tends to be at the same level as you. 
it's the in-law kind of thing that starts getting more difficult. Because if unless you marry the same, no, two two reactive families. My family's reactive, Cheryl's very responsive and quiet and nice. And we were we would get together with her parents and they would just go into shock because we would raise our voice and we would talk. We were Vikings, you know? <laughs> the world. And so that that made it the first time we got together, they're all arguing at the top of their lungs. All the Wavens. All the way around the table, my mom's saying, Oh, he didn't mean that. Oh, I'm sure she didn't mean that. I mean, she was really she was trying to. She was trying. Is it possible to get from a 25% to like a 75% with the teenager? And now, of course, why are teenagers reactive? Because they have a whole new experience coming from within them of emotions. Right, right? but can a mom not name names? names. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I live at like 25%, I think, because I'm Latina. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Ross family probably lives at 75%. And so my kid is at like 25%, and so I'm just dominated by that all the time. And he's always saying, like, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm like, so how can you get to this? How can we get to seventy five percent? How can we get everyone seventy five percent without taking medication? <laughs> <laughs> medication, yeah, the, that's that's kind of helpful. Colin didn't even mention that today. Every generation that experiences a seventy five percent, or let's say it's easy fifty five percent, will raise everybody in the family over generations. Will it raise them over years? Yes. I mean, Cheryl's helped me tremendously. But, but wait one second. Before you go further, okay. I want to address the mom teenager thing. Oh, yeah. um, as, as differentiated as I could be with other people, our kids know our hooks as parents. And there's something between the mother and the kid. They know all your triggers. And, and I had one of my sons who could take me to 10% because that's where he was at like that and it wasn't how I lived even the rest of my life so I don't even think that this is applicable as a generic oh I'm going to be a 60 percenter I, I think every relationship you're going to have a different response to and you're going to have a generic where you operate so how you operate at work you probably couldn't get away with the way you're operating with your son I know I couldn't with my son and so sometimes it would be really helpful for Denny to just remind me, not in front of my son, but in private, remember you're the adult. And and it would kind of wake me up to, okay, I'm reacting like a 15-year-old here, and we're just doing this power head-to-head -head combat. And, and then what was really frustrating, my son had this trick where he would all of a sudden calm down and leave me shrieking. <laughs> so, I mean, they can really... They know how to get in there and just dismantle you. So, <laughs> but that's why that's why I was saying that that the hormones are something they have to learn to deal with. All of us did, right? Mm -hmm. And and we have to, in some way, recognize we're not going to be that junior high. And so let me just say that there are times when I would have to step back and let Denny take over because 
he wasn't as hooked to my son, and he could think like a pastoral counselor, um, and I couldn't or do that with my own kid. Okay. Um, so yeah, don't don't get too discouraged with this because this is very theoretical, idealistic, and what we're wanting to do is just improve our getting into our head instead of reacting from our emotions. Okay. That's the first goal of all counseling, to get people to respond and not react. It's one of the best things that we could do is call the mind call and talk about Christ, where is Christ in this moment? Train it, ourselves to... Absolutely, for, for both of you as adults. <clears throat> a- absolutely. Uh, with, a, with a kid, I probably wouldn't do that. Oh. Okay. With a teenager. But just in your own, just in your own head. Yes, in your own head. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out, okay, how would uh, an actual uh, mature person respond here? <laughs> Not what do I feel like, because what I feel like isn't, isn't where I want to live. Does that help? And I just, uh, I'm curious if some people could hear some of the conversation and assume that like a quiet, avoidant family is healthier than a loud, boisterous family. And that's not what they're saying. Like, yes. like you can still not be differentiated and be really quiet yes. as someone. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you that now. You're, you're just helping us move in. Thanks for helping us because we really haven't. Yeah, I've got, I think we've got plenty of time. Now, what I want to show you, this is the reconciliation process. It was created by uh, David Augsburger. He's a professor at Fuller. He wrote Care Enough to Confront and... Uh, those kinds of books dealing with reconciliation. And he said that that we all have kind of two basic tendencies. We either want to separate when there's a problem or we want to unite and just hold on. Okay, those are kind of temperament. They're personality. You're not, you're not going to change a whole, that a whole lot. Uh, and this is mature on the process. We're going to be moving up a scale. Okay, now the immature undifferentiated, and by the way, uh, the, the counselors d- don't like to use the word immature and mature. That's me. I put that on. They use undifferentiated and differentiated, <laughs> but it's immature, I think. Now, at the bottom scale of this process, moving up towards maturity, when you start having a conflict, you either attack or attach if you want to have union. So two people who are attacking each other, using the you judgments, the gunfights, whatever it might be, there's a lot of reactivity, there's a lot going on in the relationship, their makeup sex is great, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's offering anything to regain attachment. And you attack in anger, you revel in, in passive or active fusion, it reveals it. Okay, do you follow? So fighting each other is, is fused towards the union side. Well, if you take it and you're seeking attachment, avoidance is on the separation side. And you'll find this, this is the same level. The people that fight, or me that fights, is at the same level as the person who avoids. So my nice, quiet family was all about we do not get angry in this family and certainly don't express it. That didn't mean we were more mature. It just meant that we were on the avoidance side. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Which is exactly what Nikki just said. 
Yeah, we actually have this in a handout for you. So um, try try to still pay attention to me while I'm handing this out. But yeah. Yeah, so I you want you to pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest, right? <laughs> now, now, what's interesting about avoidance is it can look more holy, as Cheryl just said, more Christian to avoid a conflict. But if you're simply not dealing with the problem, that leaves the problem in what you wanted to have a house of trust, a mansion of trust. You just have problem after problem after problem. And you can be passive aggressive about that. You know, you punish the person, but you're running from it. Did somebody raise their hands? Okay. Yeah. What if you have one who's prone to attachment and one who's prone to avoidance? 99% of the time you will. <laughs> that, that's called opposite of track. Now, there are some couples who are deep friends, and they will tend to respond to life in the same way. Most couples, at the very deepest personality level, it's opposite. And so, yes, the neat person marries the messy person, the quiet person, the, the loud person, and so on. Because there's a, there's a, a desire for a good balance. You know, Does that make sense? Plus, the house that is all about attack is a pretty volatile house, and that gets exhausting. So we tend to kind of find people who balance us out. Did everybody get one? Now, you're, you're seeking escape, and in counseling we call it the emotional cutoff when you run from the, the person. You probably have people in your life who have cut you out entirely. Well, they're an undifferentiated, uh, reactive uh, person that deals with conflict by just not dealing with it. They cut you out of their life. They cut you off. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Is there something in between these? <laughs> oh, you these are, are both the You guys are like so far ahead of us. <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to get there. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm not really understanding attachment. This is like a good thing? Am I misunderstanding that? Yes. Attachment is not a good thing. Attachment is something that has to happen, but this is not how this word is being used right now. Can you, can you explain that? Attachment disorder is, is a, a whole different thing. This is fusion, where you're not able to have your own emotions. It's, it's one of the rigid yeah. triangles. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Thank yeah. you, that, that helps. I was misunderstood. Now you all are leading. You're, you're very good. So we're, we'll get you there. Okay. This is both are undifferentiated. Okay? So you can see it on this. On the chart, it's a little easier to see so it all on at that once. Chart, on chart, uh, don't look at the one with the numbers. Look at the back of the chart, and it shows that this attack, uh, you just flipped it the wrong way, sorry. Um, the attack and avoidance are the two lowest levels in a conflict. Okay, now we're going to go up a step. Okay, now we're going to go up a step. And this is, this is where people get trapped most often, I've found, uh, in, in, in our type of of congregation and, and people, the level of, of life that we tend to live. Um, uh, we do appeasement. And appeasement is, it sounds as though it would be good. It's, you just do whatever you can to stop the conflict. You know, you take it on yourself. I, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. 
say sorry very easily and very quickly and very often, but there's never any working through the issue that got you to the problem. Do you follow? The, these two seem as though, and they are, they're much better than the bottom than two, attacking. than attacking and cutting off, but they don't work through the issues. Do you follow? So that's kind of what my mom was doing with the family. Oh, he didn't mean yeah. that. And oh, we really, you know, we're not really fighting here. Or just an abject apology. If you've been to the UK and everybody says sorry, like every other word, and that's kind of how I was raised because my family came from Canada and from England to Canada. So sorry, every other word, that's kind of where we lived. Yeah. Does that make sense? Everybody understand? Not a Viking word. <laughs> it's not a Viking word. We didn't say sorry. <laughs> now, this one is the most dangerous because this is what I almost always see, and that's an account. When they get together, they've had some kind of conflict, like a conflict over being seven hours late or something like that, and they give an explanation or an excuse and expect to be excused for the pain the other person experienced. They didn't intend it. Intend it. Uh, it's, they would never intend to hurt in that kind of way, as we just talked about. Uh, they, they want to, in fact, give an explanation, and what they are looking for is to be right. Justified. Justified. So think of this as a courtroom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I explain what I was thinking, you'll actually understand and agree with me that I'm I'm right. I was right all along. Actually, that's most people's personal favorite. Yeah, is to do all the explanation. And they and they want to come out the winner in the fight. So is that one more about like being not wrong? Yes, it could be not wrong, but it could also be be being right. But it's making the other person wrong. There's not there's not a winner. What if it's a legitimate excuse? Oh, they're always legitimate. That, that, they wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the misunderstanding that people have. They think, okay, the the guy was seven hours late, or the whoever was seven hours late. The he's cell wrong. phone was dead. I mean, cell, these are real. The cell phone was dead. He has a, a valid excuse, but he never addressed the fact that that the beloved who fixed Neil feels unimportant. So now. The next time he's late, the next time he's late, she's late, whatever it is, we add to it and add to it and add to it until pretty soon they just come to the end of their patience with you and you're just late too much. I'm, I'm going to divorce you or get away or not marry you or whatever you're going to do. Because if you don't work through the problem, then you don't have trust. Does that make sense? And he says you're always complaining. And you're always complaining. Yeah, I've got a great joke on that, but I won't tell it. Okay. Now we get to what was Amanda was, was wanting to know. Okay. These are all, uh, you know, you've got bottom differentiation, very reactive. You've got a very thoughtful, responsive thing. But now you want to get to an actual apology and actually taking ownership and actually dealing with the issue. And this is where you get to, as I said before, you know, I care about you, but if you're not ready to say, I'm sorry, I regret how my behavior hurt you specifically in this way, made you feel unimportant, 
I promise to change my behavior and not be late without letting you know or whatever the I will is going to be. And what people don't like is they don't like to promise because they know they're going to fall short and they don't want to be hit with it. The, the solution is promise and then if you do it, you've got to take it even more. And you've got to change more. If you're the type of person who can't keep your promises because you can't be responsive, you're always reacting to everything and thinking that excuses are good enough and I don't have to change my behavior. I, can, I just want to be right. I'll get some judge to say I'm right. People come to me as a counselor all the time and want me to adjudicate them and decide which one's right. I tell them, I'm not a judge and this isn't a courtroom. You got to love each other or not. Do you love each other? And if you do, you got to work this through. You got to talk to each other and you got to work through whatever, whatever the problem is happening. We have to go, go all the way to a true apology. And it always involves those, those three things. And Cheryl and I will say, I'll say, I'm sorry. And she'll say, and, <laughs> and I regret the pain. <laughs> that I caused you. You have to do it with the right voice. Yeah. <laughs> or then you're just adding fuel to we'll the We'll go fire. down the biking lane. But, <laughs> but uh, and, and I promise. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not insofar as I'm able or anything like that. I promise. And then if I do it again, we've got a deeper level of conversation, but the same way of resolving it. And it, it, seems, it seems more honest to say, well, I'll try. To not do that again, but that's such a Yoda thing, you know. No try, do you know? It's uh, try is a really weak commitment, and what you're doing here is you're making a serious commitment to change whatever behavior it is in you that so deeply hurt that other person. You're giving, because you care. You're giving yourself a way out. I tried. Yeah. Know. Yeah, that doesn't work. I'm just a Viking. Well, just the, just the fact that you're a Viking doesn't change anything. I still have to be responsive and kind and forgiving and accepting responsibility when I hurt her. Do you follow? It, it's, this, this is real life. It's not, you know, kind of a, a, an ideal marriage kind of thing. It's working things through as they happen in real time and in real ways. Is that your last slide on this one? Uh, I think it is. Um, Denny's been asked to do this not only with counseling situations and marriages and families, but he's been brought into businesses where people were at, you know, really at uh, odds. And, you know, in universities. Christian university. I mean, any institution, any business, uh, even if it's Christians who work there, we're all going to have conflict. And conflict's part of normal life if you're living and breathing. You're not going to agree on everything with every person. And so it's how you work through your conflict, whether you can be a peacemaker in your own relationships and with other people. Um, so that's why we gave it to you in handout form. When you take your handout home, on the back there's some number of things about ways to work through conflicts that are just uh, helpful tips to help you do that. But I'm going to draw your attention, first of all, to that chart at the very bottom that shows anger is at the top. It's called a surface emotion. And if you just stay in expressing your anger, 
It's just going to lead to resentment and build up. It's never going to go away. The only way you can get to, an, to a resolution is to dig below and find out what's causing all the anger. And is it being rejected or hurt or sad or left out or whatever? When that gets addressed, then you can take appropriate action to get it resolved. So that's what that little chart means. And anger is not the only secondary. There's a lot yeah. of secondaries. Jim. I'm sorry to keep bringing this part up, but you know how it says, uh, I'm sorry, I regret how my behavior hurt you? I mean, can it just be like, yeah, I made a stupid choice, that was my bad? Like, I don't, sometimes it feels like when people say, if that, my behavior hurt you, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, it hurt me because that was a dumb choice. You did the wrong thing. You have to make it your, your own, own words. Make yeah. it your own words, but. It's all like feeling like, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. Yeah, don't. They're not sorry that they did the thing. I don't think, I don't think your voice inflection will work reading these words. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have to come up with your own. You've got to be authentic and genuine in all your relationships. But it's not just about how you make them feel, right? It's like how. Well. It's not really like, who cares about how I felt? Yeah, that's something, but like, I, I'm more mad that you did that thing. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge that that thing you did was wrong, regardless of how I feel about it. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? No. Like, I, I just, yeah, it'd be like, Especially right? for a teenager, feelings are king. Um, a husband. <laughs> 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 a husband, too. Um, Feel, feelings, feelings matter. Feelings do matter. And, uh, when, the action when you make it about the action and the behavior, you're going to a very uh, logical uh, mind place, and that's not usually where we get hurt. We usually get hurt more in our heart. You're, you're living in this world. Yeah. You want to be right rather than to actually heal but the pain. But we can pain. talk about that more. Yeah. If that and it it'd be sense. something, yeah, to, to do that. Just to Okay. We've got a couple minutes for questions. Yeah, Amanda? I, I'm thinking where I understand you're coming from is sometimes people say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. see, that's putting same. that third word is What's that it? you. That you. Yeah. Anytime you put the you in there, you're, you're attacking. Yeah. And, and all that is is a very fancy little passive-aggressive attack right. down at the bottom. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're saying that they're wrong. That's a good, that's that's right. a good point. Yeah. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say the same thing. I actually went to a class where they said those exact words were the correct response, and I never, I could never get there. And I'm, good, I'm very happy to hear you said that. Yeah, anytime you put, I feel that you, it's not going to work. It's got to be, I, uh, I'm sorry that you feel I'm that way. I'm sorry I hurt you. I mean, that was the feeling. But you have to name what you actually regret. What you're sorry for doing, what you actually regret about what you did, and your promise to or change that. Feel like it's, not, it's not real. Yeah, Rob? yeah you kind of answered it, but it's funny because hurt will be a feeling yes. to that. So I'm sorry that I hurt you or that you feel yeah. but, hurt. But hurt, hurt is the secondary. We want to get down, you know, anger, hurt, dis- uh, disappointed, all these secondaries. If you can't name the actual feeling that caused the hurt, then you're you're not you're not, you're not gonna, deep enough. Yet. You're not deep enough. You gotta get so, deep. so I'm sorry that my words hurt you. I'm sorry that when I said this, yeah. you felt this. You felt hurt. Okay. 
And I regret that you felt that because that wasn't my intention. Usually in a relationship, it's not your intention. But that doesn't change the fact that you did it. Or if you don't even remember the words. It doesn't matter if we remember it, but if they do. They're nursing it. Yeah, that's what has to be addressed. It's interesting, Jesus says that when you bring your gift to the altar and someone has something against you, go to them and reconcile. Make your peace. And so it's it's not a matter of, you know, I'm a good person. I don't know what's wrong with them, yeah. Yeah. you know. How about that um, kind of approach where somebody says, I'm sorry that occurred. That's how it occurred to you. Yeah, that's the same thing. That's a sly judgment, isn't it? That would drive me. Yeah. When you wait. It's implying that they have a, their thermometer's off whack. There's something wrong yeah. with them. Yeah. That's called gaslighting, mm-hmm. which was on that chart. So. Yeah. yeah. Because this is talking business sometimes. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. This is, this is kind of, not, not this isn't, but the other communication right. is. Yeah. yeah. Cliff Wilson used to say, whatever you said I did, I did it and more. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not, really not going to so. be helpful. <laughs> that's one way to address it. Yeah, that's one way to address I'm it. I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> no, this, I'm Katie. Um, why is it bad to have an exit strategy? Have an exit like strategy? You said, like, oh, try is like an exit strategy. From having to hold yourself accountable to the behavior. So let's say I promise that I will call if I'm going to be more than half an hour late. And then I say, well, I'll try to call. That gives me a way out, like a loophole, that I don't really have to do oh, it. So it's avoiding accountability? Yes. And avoiding ha- having to actually in a relationship there should definitely always be a, a, a privilege of stepping out and you, you should step out of a damaged relationship not damaged a abusive relationship every relationship is damaged but, yeah. but you can't do that as a parent you can't no. just, um, but you can and, and one thing that really works for me is saying I think we both need a time out I'm going to my room for 20 minutes. You go to your room for 20 minutes. We'll try this again. Well, we had boys and we made them run. Well, when they were little, <laughs> run away. No. They never run away, but they run. <laughs> okay. Um, so, thank you so much okay. for coming to the class. And, and if you're missing any of the handouts, I have them over here. So. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.